This is the Bible in One Year Express, day 259. God loves imperfect people. I'm far from perfect. I sometimes find it hard to believe that God really loves me, especially when I mess up, fail or make bad decisions. Actually, no one is perfect apart from Jesus. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to die for us. Therefore, God must love imperfect people. In fact, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God knows that perfect people do not exist. We all fail. God's love for you is bigger than your mistakes. God loves imperfect people. Everyone knows that their marriage partner is not perfect. Their children are not perfect. Their parents are not perfect. And their friends are not perfect. But we love imperfect people. If we love imperfect people, perhaps it shouldn't surprise us that God loves imperfect people even more. From Psalm 107. He turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. There he brought the hungry to live and they founded a city where they could settle. He blessed them and their numbers greatly increased and he did not let their herds diminish. Let the one who is wise heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord. Meditate on how great God's love is for you. Having rehearsed all the great things God has done for them, the psalmist concludes, consider the great love of the Lord. If you are really wise, you'll think this over. It's time you appreciated God's deep love. God has rescued his people so many times. He's answered their prayers. God's people were far from perfect. He responds to the failures of the people with discipline. Even here, though, God's love is in the foreground as he uses that discipline to draw them back to himself. As they return, the hardships turn to blessing. The rivers begin to return. He turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. He blessed them and their numbers greatly increased. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit within you would be like these rivers of living water. Oswald Chambers writes, The river of the Spirit of God overcomes all obstacles. Never focus your eyes on the obstacle or the difficulty. The obstacle will be a matter of total indifference to the river that will flow steadily through you if you will simply remember to stay focused on the source. Lord, I meditate on your great love for me. I pray that by your Holy Spirit you will turn any deserts and dryness in my life into pools of water and flowing springs. New Testament from Galatians 2 and 3 When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You're a Jew, yet you act like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then? that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles 
know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live for Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? So again I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you? by the works of the law, or by your believing what you heard. So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith, Understand how personal God's love is for you. The Apostle Paul was far from perfect. In fact, he describes himself as the chief of sinners. Yet he can write, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the extent of the greatness of the love of God. The Son of God gave himself for me and you. It is not just that God loves the whole world. He loves you. He gave himself on the cross for you and me. He died for you. If you'd been the only person in the world, Jesus would have died for you. It's as personal as that. God's love for you is unconditional, wholehearted and continual. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. When Paul finally understood this, it radically changed his life. His old life had come to an end. I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. The life you see me living is not mine. A new life had begun. Christ lives in me. The Spirit of Christ had come to live in him. This new life was a life of faith in the Son of God. In this verse, Paul sums up the message of the gospel. It is so amazing and yet so simple. By adding to it, we only detract from it. That is why Paul was vociferous in his defense of this gospel. That's why he had a face-to-face confrontation with Peter. Peter himself knew the truth of this message, yet because of how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that had been pushing the old system of circumcision, he began to follow and promote the old Jewish laws and customs again. By doing this, Peter gave the impression that it was not enough to be a Christian. He was saying people must also follow Jewish customs. But faith in Jesus Christ is all that is required. We know very well that we are not set right with God by rule-keeping, but only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. God, in his great love, embraces all who put their faith in Christ without distinction. You are justified by faith. 
This results in a totally changed life. Christ comes to live within you. You no longer live your old life, but a new one by faith in the Son of God. You receive his Spirit. Faith and receiving the Holy Spirit is not only the way to begin the Christian life, it's the way to continue to live it out. The Galatians clearly had an experience of the Holy Spirit to which Paul could point. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? When you put your faith in Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. Does God give his Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? On Alpha, I've often been asked the question, what about those who lived before Jesus? What happens to them? This passage points to the answer. The cross of Jesus works through all eternity. It works backwards as well as forwards in time. It was effective for Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. The cross was a defining event in world history to which the law and the sacrificial system pointed. Lord Jesus, thank you that you loved me and gave yourself for me. Help me to trust in your great love for all the challenges I face today. Old Testament from Isaiah 38 to 40. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Know how lasting God's love is for you. God's love for you is everlasting. It will not let you go. In your love you kept me from the pit of destruction. You put all my sins behind your back, wrote Hezekiah. God heard his prayer and saw his tears. He added 15 years to his life and delivered him from the hand of the king of Assyria. The second part of Isaiah begins with the words that are quoted later by John the Baptist. The message of Isaiah 40 to 55 is this, the exile will be over soon. When Jesus came, he was proclaiming the real end of exile. In these chapters, we get a foretaste as Isaiah proclaims the end of the physical exile Israel experienced in the 6th century BC. Isaiah foresaw a new sense of the presence of God, a new confidence in the word of God and a new vision of God. He saw the great love of God and he wrote, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. 
No one can compare to God in terms of greatness. He's the creator of the universe. Compared to him, the nations are like a drop in a bucket. It is absurd to compare God to an idol that is made by a craftsman. Compared to God, the people of this world, even its great leaders, are like grasshoppers. He is the creator of the entire universe, including the billions upon billions of stars. This is the God who loves you personally and carries you close to his heart. God doesn't come and go. God lasts. God is also a power-sharing God. He energizes those who get tired. Those who wait upon God get fresh strength. Quietly wait on God. Study his word. Pray, worship, and meditate on his love for you. He will restore you, re-energize you, and empower you to face everything you need to do. Lord, thank you for the greatness of your love. You are the creator of this vast universe. You are all-powerful, yet you love me. Take me in your arms and hold me close to your heart. Please renew my strength as I wait on you. Pepper adds, Isaiah 40 verse 28 says, The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. The same God who created the entire universe cares for us. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart, as it says in verse 11. Our magnificent, all-powerful God is also a tender God.